Well, you see, but I don't actually believe that because I'll be singing something because I like to sing and my lovely husband will say, you yeah, singing out of tune. And I go, well, I don't really care because I'm just enjoying myself. And he'll go, oh, no, no, well, try this. Sing this note. And so I'll sing that note and he'll go, so this is the note you're meant to sing or this is the note you're meant to sing. Is it higher or lower than the note you've got? I have no idea. I cannot hear the difference. Like, I really can't, even though I enjoy it. But that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about today. That's just... Oh, yeah. That's what happened. At my old church, I used to sit next to this girl who used to always hit me during worship and say, stop singing the harmony. Stop singing the harmony. I go, I don't even know that I'm singing the harmony. Isn't that good? I can harmonise without even knowing it. Um, But as I said, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Um, but that's what I do. I go off on tangents and then try and make them fit, but I can't find a way that they're going to fit. Um, so we'll just move on. My, we're going to talk about one of my favourite people in the Bible today. And what I want you to try and work out is who it is. Okay, this is a verse about them. Their name goes where that blank is. The verse is in Acts. I'm not telling you where in Acts because I don't want you to quickly look it up. But someone was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Does anybody want to have a guess as to who it is? No, not Stephen. A bit, a bit further on. Oh, I'm not sure, anyhow. Not Philip? Peter? No, not Peter. Not Matthew? Not Mark? Not Luke? Not John? Not Paul, but closely associated with Paul. No? Barnabas. Barnabas. Um, these are some, two of these pictures are pictures of people that if you type in Barnabas in images on Google, they come up. And one of them is my picture that I chose myself. In case you're wondering, the middle one is the picture I chose myself. Because all the pictures of Barnabas on the internet, which of course is such a reliable source, are all him looking really quite sad and serious and like not actually enjoying life. But I actually think that Barnabas would have been the kind of guy that had a twinkle in his eye. He would have been the kind of guy that you'd want to go and give a hug to and he would be really approachable and he actually would have been someone that people wanted to hang out with and not some serious person that didn't have a smile. So I just chose my own picture of someone (laughs) that looked more like the Barnabas I would think of. When we first hear of Barnabas, it's in Acts chapter 4, and it says this, for this, uh, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. So this is the first time that we hear of Barnabas in the Bible. And his name actually isn't Barnabas, as this verse is tell us. His name is Joseph. But he's never called Joseph any other time than in this little introductory spiel. Um, oh, and a warning for all of you. This morning I was going over what I was going to say today and, um, and practicing it a bit and whatnot, and my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, was next to me. And I said, oh, there's a lot of Bible verses in this message. I don't know, maybe I need to 
change it a bit and take some out. And she said to me, isn't church meant to be about the Bible? So I said, true. Okay, I'll keep the Bible verses in there. So we're going to be reading lots of Bible verses, but hopefully um, it will give you a picture of who Barnabas was because that's what I want us to come away with today. A really good understanding of who Barnabas was and some of the things that we ourselves can actually learn from him um, and some characteristics that we may want to apply to our life that can be applied to Barnabas' life. The other thing about Barnabas is um, some people say he wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, most people actually think that there's more reason that it was a sermon written by um, Paul that someone like scribed for him, maybe Luke or Peter, someone wrote a message of Paul. But I like to think that Barnabas wrote it only because I like Barnabas so much. So because somebody out there thinks it's Barnabas, I'm like, cool, it must be Barnabas. Even though there's no, like no one really knows who, who wrote Hebrews. But in Hebrews, it says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Even though, as I said, most people would say that Barnabas didn't write Hebrews, these verses, I think, would be exactly the kind of thing that Barnabas would say yes and amen to. That's what we should be doing. This is the kind of person that Barnabas was. He was someone who wanted everybody to be really strong in their faith. He wanted to be a person who um, spurred one another on towards love and good deeds. He wanted the church to actually get together. He wanted some people, he wanted to encourage one another and wanted to encourage us to continue to encourage one another. That's why he got the nickname Barnabas. And we'll come back to this verse a bit later, but I just wanted to give you an overview of really what Barnabas was all about. Spurring one another on, getting people to hold on to their faith and really encouraging people. So now we're going to look at some characteristics of who Barnabas was. The first one is that Barnabas was generous. As I said, this is the, the time when we first see Barnabas in the Bible. And there were no needy people among them, being the church, because those who owed land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, there's many other people in the church that did, that did this. But as an example, Barnabas was put forward as one who sold some land that he owned and gave it to the apostles not because he was demanded to, not because it was part of anything more than that was his heart. He sold some land and gave it to the apostles because he actually was a really generous guy. Another thing about Barnabas is that he was trusted and respected. Now, Barnabas brought him, which is Saul, to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He told them that Saul was preached, had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. The fact that Barnabas could bring Saul 
to the apostles meant that he was a trustworthy guy. He was respected by the apostles. Otherwise, the apostles, knowing Saul's background, which we'll talk about a bit more later, the apostles really wouldn't have wanted to see him. But it was Barnabas and his trustworthiness and his respect that allowed him to bring Saul into the picture. And in verse 11, 22, when the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, some Gentiles had become Christians. Um, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So Barnabas was the one that the church in Jerusalem sent to say, hey, go find out what's happening over there and let us know about these Gentiles becoming Christians and what that's all about. So we can see that Barnabas was actually really trusted and really respected. Respected. So now I want to have a look at Barnabas and Saul or Paul. Um, in case people don't know, when the, in Acts, when it says Saul or when it says Paul, it's talking about the same person. So there'll be some verses that we look at that will say Saul and some will say Paul. Just think of them as interchangeable to each other. Does that make sense? Cool. So what I want to ask you, what I want you to be thinking about when we read this passage is where would Saul be without Barnabas? So have a think about that when we read, as we read these verses. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had become a true, he had become a believer. Now, for those who don't know, Saul was a persecutor of people who believed in Jesus. He just did not like them. He actually actively went after those who believed in Jesus. So he was searching for them, gathering them up, and then killing them. So that's what Saul's job was. Saul was about to do this when Jesus appeared to him on the road of Damascus and said, what are you doing? And it changed his life forever. But when he arrived in Jerusalem, the believers were quite concerned about Saul being there because Saul was the one that you wanted to hide from. You didn't want to know him. You didn't want to have anything to do with him because if he knew that you, especially if he knew that you believed in Jesus, you put him up signing your death warrant if Saul found that out. But then Barnabas, so at verse 27, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So then we have Barnabas, a follower of Jesus, who goes to Saul, and from what we read here, he must have actually had a conversation with him because it's Barnabas who tells the apostles about Saul, about Damascus, about what he's been doing preaching boldly, so Barnabas had to find that out first. So Barnabas goes to Saul, has a conversation, and then brings him to the apostles. And because of that act, Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the, I love how they say that so innocently, like they tried to murder him. Oh, well, let's just move on to the next verse. But we will, even though I've just interrupted it. But when the believers heard about this, they took him down to, yeah, and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. <laughs> I, I am really bad at 
being able to see a word and stand. I'm really bad at standing at words. So even when I at, at Youth Dimension where I work and do some, I don't really work, but where I do some teaching there, if this verse, if I wanted to read this verse, I wouldn't be reading it. I'd be saying, Anne, would you mind reading this verse for us? <laughs> so that I don't have to pronounce the word that's in there that I don't know how to pronounce. But anyway, um, moving on. So we see from here that Saul, that the apostles didn't only just believe the story that Barnabas told about Saul, but they actually welcomed him in. Because Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them. So he actually made, they actually brought Saul as one of their own then, um, all from what Barnabas had actually told them. So where would Saul be without Barnabas? Now, I'm not going to try and sell you the picture that Saul would never have become who he, or Paul would never have become who he was if it wasn't for Barnabas, because that is a bit ridiculous a statement. But it probably would have taken Saul a lot longer to get to know the apostles, for them to trust him, and for Saul to be able to um, continue on in the journey that God had with him if it wasn't for Barnabas. He would have had to have proven himself a lot more before anybody would have said, okay, yes, now that you've, you've done enough to, for us to respect you, you've done enough for us to realise that you've changed. Because Barnabas had to actually take a risk. If Barnabas didn't take a risk, he wouldn't have gone to Saul and found out what was going on. Because just think about it for the moment. Someone that you know is actively pursuing to kill you and then you hear something that says he's trying to say he's changed. I, for one, would be going, I've seen too many movies, it's a trick. But, you, know, you all know those movies where people pretend they're good only to get close to someone and then they're like, ha, 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 I'm not really who I think, you know, I've really changed and now I know all your secrets. But Barnabas had to actually take a risk to go to Saul, to talk to him, to find out what was happening. But by taking that risk, he actually found out that Saul had changed. And he believed that Saul had changed. And so Barnabas took Saul to the apostles and didn't just take Saul to the apostles and say, hey, you should listen to what this guy had to say. Barnabas actually vouched for Paul. Barnabas actually was the one who said, hey, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you that he has changed. And from that, the apostles actually believed what Barnabas said and what they heard about Saul and then welcomed Saul in. The next time that we hear about Barnabas is in Acts verse 11, verse chapter 11. So there were some believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Syria. Began, Good, you can just all join in. <laughs> And I know there's another, there's another verse coming on where there's all these names in it. You can all call, call out those ones too. Um, preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentile believers uh, believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw evidence, this evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many were brought to the Lord. 
the very next verse is where Saul comes into the picture. Because then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching loud crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So all the way from when um, Saul is, is, taken, is told to go back home because people want to murder him, Saul is never, like we don't know what happened to Saul until this time when Barnabas goes to find him. And so the great thing was that Barnabas actually went to find Paul, to find Saul. Saul wasn't the one knocking, saying, hey, Barnabas, I hear what you're doing. Can I come and join you? I want to be in your ministry. I want to be involved in what you're doing. Barnabas is in Antioch, and from Antioch he goes, you know what? I think it'd be great for Saul to be here. I'm going to go find him. So he goes and finds him, and then he brings him back. But he doesn't bring Saul back and say, you just stand there and watch me. You just watch and see what happens. They actually work alongside each other. So Barnabas, right from the very beginning, or Barnabas, well not right from the very beginning, but Barnabas at this time not only um, goes and gets Saul, but actually says, hey, I want you to be a part of what's going on. I don't want you just to be a watcher. I want you just to be someone that um, watches from a distance. As I said, lots of Bible verses. This is what happened in Antioch with Saul and Paul, or Barnabas and Paul. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria was Barnabas, Simeon, how do we say that name? Lucius, next one. Oh, good. <laughs> and Saul. Um, now, people would, people would say that the order of the names is actually important. So the fact that, that Barnabas is first and Saul is, is last was probably an indication of where they sat within the prophets and the teachers of the day because you, that's sort of how they did it. Um, so they were praying. Um, so these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them to. So after more fasting and praying, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on the way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. I love that last verse. So they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't actually tell us where they were sent out, just that they were sent to go do the work. So this was actually the start of Barnabas and Saul's first ministry journey. And in Acts, we will see that Paul actually went on three, minute, um, three missionary journeys. Now, when you say missionary journeys, don't just think that's to one place and then back again. That's, he goes all the way around to lots of places and then he starts off again to go all the way around to lots of places and then all the way around to lots of places. Does that make sense? So, hey, it works. So this purple line, this is the first ministry journey that Barnabas and Saul go on together. And then Barnabas and Paul have um, a disagreement because they want... So during this journey that they go on, a guy called John Mark comes with them. And then halfway through their journey, John Mark decides to go home. And so during their second journey... Paul goes, Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. And Paul goes, no, he left us once. He may leave us again. We don't really want to have, I don't really want to take him. 
So they have a disagreement, and so Saul goes one way and Barnabas goes another way. So Barnabas doesn't take go with Paul on the other two missionary journeys. So on the first one, Barnabas and Paul are together. That all makes sense. So here are some things that we can know about Barnabas. He was full of the Holy Spirit. That's a great characteristic to have, isn't it? Not just to have the Holy Spirit, but to be full of the Holy Spirit. He was a good man. He was strong in faith. He was generous. He was respected. He loved people. He was an encourager. He was trusted. He was thoughtful. If I, if someone said all those things about me, I'd be pretty pleased, even if they said half of those things about me. To be someone who was strong in faith, someone who was considered good, someone who was generous, who was respected, who loved people, who was an encourager, who was thoughtful, who was trusted. Those are all, I think, fantastic things on their own, let alone when you can put them all in one person. And that's what I think makes Barnabas such a great person and such a um, one of my favourite people in the Bible is that I think it's because he was full of the Holy Spirit that all the rest of the things came. As we've been learning um, in our series in church, we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you look to Barnabas's life, you can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit outworking itself. Um, because he was full of the Holy Spirit, that's why he was generous. That's why he was respected. He was a courager. He was thoughtful. He loved people. He trusted. Blah, 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 blah all because of the Holy Spirit that he allowed to work in his life. Uh, then this happens in our reading of Acts. So it doesn't really matter about the sorcerer and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I want you to notice is what's in bold, that it says, um, to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul were saying. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. And then six verses later, it said, but Paul and Barnabas travelled inland to Antioch. So what happened during the first, the first missionary journey that um, Paul and Barnabas went on is that their roles changed. So Barnabas and Saul were the ones that were sent out on this missionary journey. Barnabas and Saul were the ones that they said pay no attention to them. And then very soon after that, everybody started saying Paul and Barnabas. If you think about it this way, if I'm talking about a married couple, so if I'm talking about Laura and John, I normally would say Laura and John, mainly because I associate more with Laura than John, so I call them Laura and John are coming over. Not that I don't love John and glad that he's coming over too, but... I'm going to say Laura and John. I'm going to say Bron and Dave. I'm going to say Joe and Chris. So the person that you associate more with, you normally say first when you're talking about people that go together. Or you do it this way. You say Caleb, Joshua, Noah, if you're talking about the Eckhart boys. So you do it in the order. I don't know if Caleb's older. Is Caleb older than Josh? Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just always Caleb, Joshua, Noah. That's the way that it goes, and that's the way that you remember it. Um, and so this change in name actually indicates a change in um, responsibility, a change in role, and actually a change in position. So Barnabas 
really was leading the way. And then from this point on, Paul is the one that's leading the way. Paul is the one that is more prominent um, in what he says and in what he does. Um, and when they have their falling out, when Barnabas goes one way and, saw, and Paul goes the other way, you actually don't hear about Barnabas and what he does on his missionary journey again. It all follows Paul. Um, and this is what I think is the greatest thing about Barnabas. Barnabas knew who he was in Christ and didn't care about position. Barnabas knew that he was an encourager and so he encouraged. He knew that he, was, he could be generous and so he gave. He went to Antioch and blessed them and told them to be strong in their faith. But there's no indication at all do we ever get that Barnabas is jealous of Paul. There's no indication that we get that Barnabas tries to go, hey, look at me, I'm good as well. Even though Paul became more prominent than Barnabas, and even though it was Barnabas that was the first one that actually got along Paul and encouraged him and brought him to Antioch and did all that kind of thing, there was no indication at all that Barnabas cared at all. And I think it's because he knew who he was in Christ and didn't care about position. Oh. We've been looking at um, not only the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and if you look just before when it talks, or just after when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, we get to this verse. And it says this Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, it does not make it any less part of the body. So if Barnabas says, because I'm not Paul, I'm not really worth anything, doesn't change the fact that he's part of the body. And if, e, if an E says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make it any less part of the body? I truly believe that these words spoken up by Paul are words that Barnabas knew and lived. He knew that our body has many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Barnabas knew who he was. He knew he was an encourager. He knew he could be generous. He knew how to get alongside people and spur them on. He knew that everybody played a part. And he was excited, I think, that Paul was doing so well. He also knew that for, this makes harmony among the members. So when all members care for each other, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is on it, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. Barnabas knew that as long as God's word was being pronounced, who cares if he's doing the talking or Paul's doing the talking or someone else is. These verses in Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who, is promised, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. What a great church we would be, not just Catalyst but a church in a whole, if we actually took these verses to heart and lived them out. This is what Barnabas did. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. He actually thought about it. It wasn't just, oh, Kelly's here, she did something, I'll say, hey, good job, Kelly, because it's just in the moment. He actually consciously looked for ways of encouraging people. And that's what this verse in Hebrews tells us to do. Let us consider. Let us actually think about it. Let us put some time and effort into thinking about how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So often we can be so caught up in ourselves and what we're doing that when someone else is doing something great, it, we think, God, why not me? When we see someone else using their gifts, we think, oh, how can I? Like, why can't I use my gifts in that same way? What, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? Instead of saying, hey, we're all part of the one body. How can I spur that person on to do greater than what they're doing right now? How can I spur that person on, not just to um, lift them up and to say, hey, you're doing a great job, but so that they can continue to do love and good deeds? Matt thinks I'm quite funny sometimes because, um, probably lots of the time, but sometimes when it comes to gifts, he says, I shouldn't even give you a gift. I should just tell you that I've thought about giving you a gift. Because to me, the thought is probably of more paramount than the actually act itself. So to give you an example, I love, um, love's probably too strong a word. When I was growing up, I loved watching this show called Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And um, yeah, I know, very cheesy. Yeah, I know. I claim that it's cheesy, but I still like it, okay? So, um, so then years, years later, I'm at my brother's house, and what does he have? But he's bought season one and season two of Lois and Clark. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. I've got to relive some memories. So I bow with them. Now, for those of you who are experts on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, you know that season two ends when Superman proposes to Lois, or sorry, Clark, Got to get it right. Clark proposes to Lois, and Lois says, um, who's proposing, you or Superman? And then it ends. So you find out that Lois and Clark know that Clark is now Superman, and you don't find out if she says yes until the beginning of season three. My brother didn't buy season three. So I go to him, have you got season three? He goes, no, I watched half of one and didn't like it, so I didn't buy three. Like, oh, it's, it's such a cliffhanger. I've got to find out what happens next. And so I go searching for it. Season three of Lois and Clark. Go on the net and do some searching, and I'm like, oh, $30 for it, even though it's like a whole season. I want to pay $30 for it. It's too much, and so I'm looking around for it, and... Um, and then one day I'm in JB, $15 for the whole season. I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. Oh, but 15 I don't, I'm not a big money spender. So I ring up Matt. You know how I've been looking for, I know this is stupid. You know how I've been looking for, 
season three of Lois and Clark for so long. Well, I finally found it, and it's only $15. But I'm not sure, like, it, should I buy it? He goes, it's $15, Tanya, of course you should buy it. And then he goes, oh, but I was going to get it for you. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. You're going to get me something that you don't even like and think it's stupid only because of me. But the fact that he thought about it, the fact that he had considered it, the fact that he had actually put some effort into it meant so much to me, um, even though I ended up buying it myself and he didn't have to do it. But that is really, I know that's a very long story, but that's really the consider that's being talked about here. Instead of just randomly encouraging people, instead of just doing it when it suits you, each one of us should actually be taking time to consider how we can spur one another on. To actually think about the person, to think about what may work for them. We all know that we all get encouraged in different ways. We all have different ways of um, communicating. What is it for that person that you will help them to spur them on towards the love and good deeds that God has for them in their life. Because Barnabas was that kind of person. Barnabas didn't, wasn't called the son of encouragement because he just randomly did things when it worked for him. He actually made it part of his life to consider people, to think about them, to go alongside them, to hear their story, to find out about them and to find out how he could actually make a difference in their life. That's what he did with Paul. He went to Paul, he heard his story and said, let me take you to the apostles. He's in Antioch with these people and he goes, you know what, I think I should go get Paul. And you'll see that Paul actually did the same thing. All throughout the books of the Paul wrote, which is a lot of the New Testament, you'll see that Paul often will have someone that he's actually encouraging. He's got Titus, he's got Timothy, he has John Mark that he brings back in. All of us to consider how we can spur one another on. But if we do not give, and do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, if we're not actually in each other's lives, how can we encourage each other? The only way we can meaningfully encourage each other is if we're actually in each other's lives. And a Sunday morning's probably not good enough. Because there's lots of people here. So to, for me to go and get to know all of you really well, it's probably not going to happen. Because I can talk to you, I can talk to you, I can talk to you, and then you guys have all left because it's already quarter to 12 and you need to get going. And so I've talked to three people for five minutes, and then we need to actually be involved in each other's lives. We need to actually know each other well enough so we can encourage each other. Um, and I think this is an interesting um, bit at the end of these verses. And all the more as you see the day approaching. If you think of the church in, um, that we see in the Bible, we see Paul in his letters always encouraging people, always spurring them on. Because they truly believed that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. But we know he didn't. No one knows when he's going to return. But the point is, he's going to return sooner now than he was back then because we're definitely closer to it. Even if it's in a thousand years, that we're closer now than back then. So we should be more encouraging of each other. We should be spurring each other on as much as we possibly can because there is going to come a day 
when Jesus is coming back. And we want to be people who are not ignorant of that fact. We said we sang before, for the sake of the world. It's really not for our sake that we even should be spurring one another on. It should be for the others. Not even for the church, even though that's a great thing for us to encourage one another, to spur one another on, to lift one another up. But it's so that we can go be the light for the world. Because there is coming a day when Jesus is going to return and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord because they're going to have no choice. But don't we want as many people as we possibly can um, to do that willingly and to do that here and to do that now and not have to wait to the day where they have no choice but to choose to do that now. And the more that we encourage each other to be the light of the world, the more people will see that, the more people will come to know him, the more he will be glorified and lifted up. And that's what our lives should all be about, glorifying and lifting up Jesus. Barnabas was a guy that you only find in the first half of Acts in terms of what he does and who he is. But I... um, think that there's so many things that we can learn from him that we can take on board. And the most important thing is that he knew who he was in Christ, didn't care about his position, and because of that, he actually was able to spur one another on towards love and good deeds because he wasn't caring about himself. He's going, Sophie, you go do it, and you do it better than I can. You go, like, that's what we want to be, people who are not caring about ourselves but are caring about the glory of God. And as we encourage one another, we should be encouraging people to be the best that they can be, to be all that God wants them to be. Because the day is coming when Jesus is coming back and we want to make sure that his bride is as full as possible with people that believe in him. And we want to, we want to have a bride that is holy and pure and one that does actually encourage and spur one another on. So what I'd love you to do right now is just to think of one person. It can be a person in this room. I'd love it to be someone you're not directly related to, but it can be if you can't think of anybody else. It doesn't have to be someone in this room. It can be someone else, but someone that you know. And I want you to think of that that person, and then I want you to consider how you can spur them on. And that's going to be different for every single person. What do they need to be encouraged in? How can you spur them on? And what's the best way to do that? And after you've thought about that person, you may not have had time to consider the best way to spur them on. What I'd love you to do is to give yourself a deadline. So to say by Friday, by Wednesday, by two weeks' time. You can make the deadline as long as you want it to be, but I'd love you to have a deadline and stick to it as to when you're going to encourage that person. Now, I know that some of you are going to be thinking, how, like, silly is that? Like, that's really just putting too many barriers on. But I think if we don't actually consider and then think about when and how we're going to do it, we probably will talk ourselves out of it or life will just happen. And that person that we could have encouraged, we miss. 
And the great thing about encouragement is it doesn't matter who you thought of. It doesn't matter if that person is in crisis or if that person's having the time of their life. It doesn't matter who they are, what state of life they're in, everybody can be encouraged. Everybody can be spurred on to more. And sometimes I think encouragement is better when crisis isn't happening because then sometimes the crisis never comes because the encouragement takes them out of the crisis situation that they may have fallen into. Being intentional in encouraging is not, I don't think, being legalistic. I don't think it's about being, um, oh, I just like to be free and easy. I think it's what the Bible actually tells us to do. To be intentional in who we encourage and how we encourage and that we encourage. We've been talking about fruits of the Spirit and the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is for everybody. We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how the gifts of the Spirit is whoever God ordains them to be. Encouragement fits into one of those things that it's for everybody. There's some people who are fantastic at it and some of us that take a bit more time, but all of us are called to encourage. And all of us should consider how we can spur one another on. Because when we do that, we see God glorified and lifted up. Let me pray. God, we want to thank you that you are the great encourager. That you spent your Holy Spirit to encourage us and to counsel us. um, And we want to pass it on to others too, God. So I pray that this week, God, that the people that came to mind, God, that you will just give us the wisdom and insight to know how to best spur them on, how to best lift them up and encourage them, God. And that it won't just stop with that one person, but you'll bring someone else to mind, God, that we can consider how we can spur them on, God. We're going to be people who actually think about others, God. So I want to thank you for the example of Barnabas, God, and we just want to pray that each one of us, God, will be people that, Spur one another on so your name is lifted up and you are glorified, God. Amen.